0: Hi right, folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson on the 4th. On today's episode, we have singer, songwriter, and producer Christopher Barnes. Christopher Barnes has worked with 7th Street, Rain, Devon, Wale, and countless other hip-hop and R&B artists. On this episode, we're talking about how he almost went to animation, fade Michael Jackson demos, and to be honest, his two old friends is geeking out on music stuff in an informative manner, that is. Check it. So, how's it looking at Marilyn?
1: Looking really nice. It's a rainy night tonight, um, so uh, I was pretty much in all day. Uh, went to the doctor, did the physical and all this stuff. Want to make sure everything everything's healthy and uh, back in the studio again. Nice
0: right. Done similar. Actually, just kind of stayed in. I'm, I'm a part yeah, of. Yeah. I'm a part of. I'm doing a new viral challenge, the sit in my ass indoors challenge. <laughs> I'm winning.
1: Um, oh, I'm, you and, and millions of others. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: So, all right, what was your musical background? What was it like growing up?
1: Um, growing up, um, I had, you know, uh, mom and dad, you know, playing, um, you know, records from the 70s and 80s growing up in our old house in Glenarden, Maryland. Um, you know, they would play everything from Parliament Funkadelic, Curtis Mayfield, James Brown, Norman Connors, Gap Band, um, uh, Bootsy Collins, uh, Zapper Roger, and so, you um, coming up you know music was just always you know around it, it was a part of you know my lifestyle early on and um one of my early experiences um, as far as with live music was seeing Michael Jackson at the um bad tour in 1988 i was 2 years old and me and um it was me and my brother at the time before, uh, a couple of years before my baby sister was born and parents took us so um we sat on their laps and um, what i remember was just the pandemonium <laughs> and the screaming and people passing out and, um, at three years old, I was like, man, I'm like, who is, this? I'm like, everybody's just, you know, going crazy or whatever. I'm like, and who is this guy who's just hopping back and forth on the stage? And at, I think by that time, I kind of knew he was somebody important. <laughs> and then as I got my older, I was like, oh, that's Michael Jackson. So, um, that, that sparked my interest early on. Um, and that, that's, that's what the early childhood days were like, you know, just Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, um, listening to them and, um, uh, just, just singing along to their songs. And, uh. Tickering
0: on piano early on. Okay, cool. In fact, your parents' vinyl selection sound like my parents' vinyl selection, except there were a couple of more Kiss albums and an Iggy and the Stooges album in there. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. My dad loved Iggy and the Stooges. Hell, oh, I remember, like, the first time I was getting more into punk rock, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I was listening to Blink-182 and stuff like oh. that, and it was like, what is right. that? I was like, yeah, hey, it's, wow. punk, it's punk rock. I'm like, no, that is not punk rock. So my dad had <laughs> Iggy and the Stooges on Raw, the Iggy and the Stooges on... The raw power album right on vinyl still and wow. i was like 15 or 16 i ain't been i ain't been right since
1: <laughs> that's that's crazy dog and you know what it's something about vinyls as well like you know I, I um about eight years ago i stumbled upon my parents vinyl that's been in the like our you know our family homes for like the last 20 something years i didn't even know the jones was down there and i just went crazy for like a whole day, man, you know, and they even had comedy albums from like, you know, Richard Pryor. And, and you know what's so interesting? I think the comedy has something to do with, you know, our musical upbringing. Definitely with mine, you know, um, comedy and music, you know, I feel in a way kind of go hand in hand. You know, um, I, I think, yeah, they said a lot of musicians want to be comedians and a lot of comedians want to be musicians. So
0: Very yeah. true. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So biggest influences musically?
1: Uh, Michael Jackson first. Stevie Wonder. Definitely Prince, Donnie Hathaway, um, D'Angelo, Music Soul Child. Um, as far as the the front runners, and um, I'll throw in my favorite pianists: uh, Bill Evans, Oscar Peterson, um, Bud Powell, and Art Tatum.
0: All right, most surprising ones.
1: <laughs> um, dude, Thomas Dolby. Do you remember him? Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> he worked with George Clinton too.
1: Yeah, yeah, George Clinton, yeah, and Parliament Funkadelic, you know, definitely gotta be in there. Um, but I think a lot of people would be taken by Thomas Dolby because I uh, get yeah, that song "Blinding Me with Science." One of my favorite songs from him is um, "Dissidents" and um, "Hyperactive," and uh, I just always respected his storytelling, his compositions, and his um, synthesizer work uh, very much. Like, um, yeah, so Thomas Dolby is uh, surprise and, and of course, you know, uh, Kenny Loggins, and uh, who else I can think of. Uh, that's a uh, pretty freaking dope. Um, um, Mayor Hawthorne. I think Mayor Hawthorne is dope.
0: Yeah. I can see that. I can see more of mm-hmm. the Mayor Hawthorne guy and less of a John Mayer guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And much respect to John Mayer. I think he's dope too. He's he's a great um, songwriter,
0: I think. Amazing and, guitar um, player too. Like you hear him yeah, do his blue stuff.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. This stuff was um, tight man, and I'm um, even, you know, he, you know, jazz riffs. I hear him, you know, do some jazz riffs every now and then. And um uh oh man, some somebody else who just kinda my mind. Oh, Jason Mraz. Jason Mraz is dope. Yeah, okay. I that's love pretty
0: him. cool. I don't know why, but I would get a crisper Cross vibe on you for some reason. Yes,
1: yes. Good job. And the Doobie Brothers. And Michael McDonald. And uh, yeah, that, that whole clan with um, Kenny Loggins. I, I just ordered the oh, and Ambrosia. Yes, Ambrosia. I always love Ambrosia. And um, I think uh, is, there, is there anybody else? Um, oh, Eagles. I love the Eagles.
0: I just did a mashup with. Because alright. When you listen to enough songs that start to sound the same, right? So yeah I, I did a mashup with Eagles Hotel California. I got, I grabbed the vocal from there. And uh-huh. also the music or the backing track or the instrumental, whatever you want to call it, from You Got Me by the Roots Feature, Eric uh-huh. Badu.
1: Oh I gotta hear that. That is crazy. Th- that is dope, man. Yeah. So you you was able to like like match that oh shoot, oh, yeah. I gotta hear that. Yeah, that yeah,
0: was yeah. not an easy task because the vocal. Ugh, wait, I can't remember who. I remember they were playing drums at the same time. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. The, From the Eagles. Their phrasing is a lot more nuanced than I realized. Really? Way more nuanced than I realized. I to do a lot of editing quantizing on there. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. wow. Uh, that's so, that's dope, man. Oh, yeah, I used to do a lot of mashups before I started doing original stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's another. Yeah, you, want... you first.
1: Oh, it's like, a, I was just thinking of Danger Mouse a little bit like that. I feel like that's where you're kind of going with that, you know, um, uh, yeah. taking, yeah, taking hip hop and then taking classic, you know, uh, rock pop records and, you know, that that's dope. I like that.
0: Oh yeah. So what's your creative process?
1: Uh, creative process, um, some good food. I <laughs> always got to eat good before, um, you know, um, exhaust the brain cells <laughs> and, um, you know, um, channel, whatever, um, you know, uh, God puts in me at that moment. Um, but, uh, really good food, and then um, i listen to some Michael Jackson. Um, two of my favorite albums um, that I just feel are groundbreaking that always get me going on a um, uh, not just a musical but spiritual vibe is Off the Wall, Thriller, and um, i listen to some Stevie Wonder um, here and there, but also i listen to some of the new artists like your Anderson Pax, i listen to some Bryson Tiller, um, i listen to um, Scissor, and um, uh, uh, Childish Gambino, um, and The Internet, and try to like you know uh, listen to what's current but also uh, listen to what's classic as well and just build ideas and concepts um, from there and um, I'll just dabble with um, you know um, my new my new thing now starting off with the drum so I'll uh, create um, the drum patterns first and logic you know and come up with different things on um, machine and then um, I'll listen to the records and something will just go and I'll pull up a rose or piano or synthesize and I'll just you know go on top of that I might keep it you know abstract for a little bit pass it off to um uh you know one either one of my other co- uh, collaborators or a drummer or a bass player or I might just try to do the whole thing myself so uh, try to keep myself pretty free no restrictions you know um and just you know just uh let go of any uh it, what I feel are sometimes uh boundaries as far as where you know um I where I can and cannot go and all that stuff so yeah
0: smart move because I remember mm-hmm. when um you were posting up videos of covers of songs you liked, and I'm, I noticed you've been posting more original work as of late. When, mm-hmm. so when did you decide to start putting out your own tunes? When did you start decide to get your own voice out there?
1: Like when certain ideas and lyrics, or certain life experiences, just come. That's what kind of pushes the originality after a while. Because when I was younger, in my twenties, you know, it was just you know, oh, I gotta, so, you know, I want to be able to sound like this person, this person, this person. But um, I started getting more life experiences towards the, like, mid-20s, late-20s, and I was like, oh, now I can write my own stuff, you know. And, um, you know, the covers were cool. That was kind of like me navigating, you know, as far as what type of sound I think works the best for me, you know, testing out on the audience, <clears throat> you know, um, which I feel was just uh, – that, that just made sense to me. Like I'm like, let me test this out on them. Do they like me for, you know, in this round do they like me over here? And then um, after I did covers of uh, Prince and Confunction and Gap Band, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm gonna try something, you know, original now. And there was a method to that as well, you know, get them hooked on the um, stuff that they're familiar with, so that way, you know, they're they're invested in you and they wanna, you know, check out more of your stuff. And then I came out with original stuff, and next thing I know, you know, people start sharing, and you know, uh, the the original started doing better <laughs> than the covers, you know, so yeah.
0: That's pretty cool actually because I was wondering would you when'd you start playing like um like how'd you so, okay were you kind of were you the band type were you like um so, did you do playing church or anything like
1: yes yes um ch- started church early um around my teens um I I <clears throat> I wasn't a go-go band <laughs> uh, earlier um, on, um like uh, yeah pre-teens and all that stuff but um whoa, whoa, yeah wait, I,
0: preteens hold on a second now I gotta hear this
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I was playing at, like, um, Hole in the Walls in places like 21 and up when I was about 12, 13, man. And my parents, they, I think they might know, but, you know, they'll probably, you know, be reminded again. You were 12? <laughs> I was 12, man. I was, you know, barely just I, – I, I'm trying to remember, was I even in high school yet? Like, I didn't start Flowers yet, I don't think. I was still over at Thomas Johnson Middle School, <laughs> so um, yeah, man, um, I was I, I would hang out with my brother's older friends from Duval High School, and some of them were, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, uh, you know, they, they had some 20-year-olds in high school, 21 and 22, and they they would serve as our security, um, and, you know, they would usher us around the DMV wherever, you know, um, somebody wanted to let us play, and, you know, I'd be on the keyboards, and I would see, you know, your local drug dealers and your pimps and your you know, just your b-boys and, you know, all, all different type of stuff, man, you know, it was interesting. <laughs> oh
0: my god. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know, I try to
1: yeah, I feel like some, sometimes those experiences like, uh, when I look back, they're more humorous, you know, oh, I used totally. to like, <laughs> like oh my god, what have I done? But like, nah, a, like, you know. <laughs> but there's a PA tape of you and what, what, what was the band called? <laughs> the band was called Truth Band and um, we, uh, we went from what was it used to be it used to be um something image I don't know raw image or something like that. And then it went the truth band I don't know but whoa, uh whoa, whoa, I, whoa.
0: raw image well
1: I'm trying to think was it was it raw image or was it, yeah oh I'm trying what band was that like I can't remember the, the actual name well wait a raw image was an actual band yeah raw was image
0: it? was another band because I thought you were in raw yeah. image <laughs>
1: Well, I am, uh, I can't. I'm trying. I can't remember the name. I got. I'll call one of the band members that I don't talk to anymore. (laughs) I can find out. I'll be like, man, what was the name? Okay, cool. All right, well, you have a good life, man. I ain't talking to you ever. No, you know, ever again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I bet there's a PA tape right now. Like, shout out to PA Palace out in Temple Hills.
1: Oh, most definitely. There's um, some stuff probably flying around. There's stuff on cassettes or on CD somewhere, man. Uh, I don't need to hear it no more, man. It's... You know, I I really try to have fond memories, man. But just like it's, it's almost like that episode from, um, uh, from Wayne's Brothers when uh, John Whittlespoon Pops was in the, uh, you know, uh, what uh, the the tones I was going to uh, say it
0: sounded more like the plot from the episode <laughs> of Smart Guy, actually.
1: I mean, yeah, you can say that. It's like it's just like you know, you hate. I mean, you don't hate your band members, but you 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 don't have that many fun. Y- 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 y'all spend most of the time together the to fight. <laughs> I think
0: the Eagles would differ on hating your bandmates, but that's another story.
1: <laughs> right, man. All right. Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, good or bad experiences they hope you become more of a well-rounded musician, you know.
1: That is true. Yeah, I mean,
0: mm-hmm. you know, I played in a funk band for a day. That was interesting, yeah. but I did pick cool. up some stuff lead-wise, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. You know
0: actually, I was another band, too, but they brought the other guitar player back. Coincidentally, named John. Wow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Go go figure. Okay. It's weird.
0: Eh, It happens. We're still cool and everything, but that's here and there. All right. But production-wise, would you say it is like Mm -hmm. a DMV or PG County style? Style.
1: Um, I could. Um, but as far as for me, I try to differentiate my production style. Like every time I go back to recording, because I never want certain records to sound the same. You do have, you know, people like uh, your Pharrell's, you know, from uh, Virginia, who uh, he does, like, a, what, four hits on the snare before he comes in, or four hits, you know, um, instrumental-wise, Chopped Up. You know, you have um, uh, other other producers from here that have a certain style. You know, a lot of people are adapting the go-go sound into their records and things like that. Uh, Rich Harrison. I was know, just about one. to
0: mention him, yeah. Shout-out to Amory.
1: Yeah, shout-out to Amory, that whole camp. And uh, also Chucky Thompson, who did stuff for uh, Bad Boy. Um, Met him once. uh, Shout out to him. And um, yeah, I mean, mean, the new thing now, people, uh, the DMV is is following the wave of what's current right now. And you know, I I I love that. I respect that. You know, as for me, I try to differentiate as much as I can, so, so 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 I can stand out. Because I'm I'm looking at the long game here. You know, it's it's one thing to you know be current or put out something that is current to be able to gain traction. But I always feel like you know, organics will always you know outlast or you know, if not outshine, they'll just, they'll stand test the time. One thing I've learned is that, you know, the hot, the hottest normally goes cold. So the main thing to do in this industry that crosses all different, you know, um, uh, subject um, is just remain lukewarm. When you remain lukewarm, you know, you stay consistent. That's what I've learned. So, yeah.
0: Kind of like there's a difference between like a musician from a certain place and a, a <laughs> place musician. Kind of like. Kind of like yeah. that
1: right yes very very true and um i, I like what the dmv uh, is doing like a lot of the you know in young producer. it sounds so funny me saying that because i'm like I'm, I'm still young myself but like the younger ones coming up you know they're um, definitely influenced by what's happening around them and all that stuff but still trying to keep you know um certain elements from the dmv in there so that's it's cool
0: there you go i, I understand completely but it's yeah. fascinating enough like okay even though you're from the dmv you, you have some roots creatively in philadelphia you know? Yes, most of them. What's the mm-hmm. difference between the DMV scene and the Philly scene?
1: Uh, the Philly scene is just more like open and willing to you know give a hand to you know support and to help and you know um, and, and, and and to it's yeah the, the DMV here I believe there's a lot of talent here but there is definitely that crab in the barrel type of mentality whereas you have people from Philadelphia they if you go in there and be like hey I play drums I play bass. Oh, really? Oh, come on in, play with us. And you're like, are you serious? Like, is there some type of audition? No, 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 you, you, you can play with us. Or, you know, if, if, if you're serious about it, you know, come on. And I'm like, wow. So it was night and day. And go, go figure, it's like, not like Philadelphia is 10 hours away. It's like, you know, it's right up the street. It's only an hour. And, and you know, the mindsets that I saw, you know, uh, were just so varied so different. And, um... And, and they were just very welcoming. You know, over here, I feel like the times have changed with the younger generation coming up. You know, the crabs in the barrel, is still somewhat strong here. But, like, over in Philly, like, you know, um, like we talked about before, the city of brotherly love, man. They're very oh, yeah. open. They're very generous, you know. And uh, that's, that's literally where I got my footing in the music industry. So shout out to uh, Carvin and Ivan, my boys, over in Philly.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Carl Carl and Ivan a few times. but Tell me about who they are, though.
1: So, Carvin and Ivan are uh, multi-platinum Grammy-nominated songwriters and producers from um, Philadelphia, and they were the mentees of DJ DJ Jazzy Jeff. So, (laughs) DJ, yeah, DJ Jazzy Jeff mentored them, um, and um, Ivan uh, pretty much let me know about his history from, you know, working for him uh, or with uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff from 1992 to 2000 when uh, he uh, broke with uh, uh, Just friends from Music Soul Child, so they uh wrote and produced for uh music soul child they uh, made his uh or created his biggest hits like uh, just friends and uh, don't change and buddy no 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 they did teach me and um several other amazing uh records and so um yeah that's a, that's my team and they also did work with uh, Jill Scott Justin Timberlake Floor Tree and um several other uh, amazing artists yeah
0: all right, cool, because you mentioned them a few times over the years, but I never was clear who they were, but I didn't realize their discography went so deep and everything. I'm pleased. So, oh,
1: yeah. I'm yeah. impressed.
0: But you're right about that regarding the DMV music scene. I do notice, maybe because it's a political town, too, so maybe that's an influence on Well, you know, mm-hmm. also, you know... Even though it's kind of arrogant for people to say, because when people from the DMV, especially D.C., they say, if you're from D.C., you're not really from D.C. I'm like, right. my parents were born and raised in Washington, D.C. Maybe you came here from somewhere else. Because it be, right. it's true. It's a very transient place, so maybe they don't. So it's almost like you're passing through.
1: So, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So. Um, but, but, you know, what's so interesting. Um, I think i I, I got to put this in there if I was to just stay in the DMV I don't think that um, I would have gone as far as it would do maybe maybe not but like when as soon as I went to Philly it was almost like a it was an instant like type of thing and so I do encourage people to reach out to others who are you know in positions where you want to be and you know pick their brains you know build relationships because a lot of people will kind of miss that with like just networking you know they just network and they think that's it you know you just got to easy end but I'm like you have to nurture those um uh those relationships as well and you have to build them and you know um grow understanding and and also it's it is it's very political over here and I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't want to deal with too many people in my area because I've seen it since I was like I told you 12 years old <laughs> you know even oh, yeah. just playing in go-go bands and so I'm like you know you see of that political stuff going on, I'm like, man, it's it's, it's like 80 percent, eighty and 90 percent of people not being honest and truthful, or they're afraid of letting their opportunities slip, and you just take that opportunity. So I was like, you know what? For me to not make anybody feel paranoid, <laughs> I'll find my own way somewhere else. And you know, and here we are today.
0: Smart move, actually. You know, because mm-hmm. I remember hearing stories about bands like Bad Brains, right? Who really got mm-hmm. their start here in Washington D.C. area. And then for right. reasons, they moved up to New York, you know, got a residency, right. the CBGBs, and yada, yada, yada. But right. there's also a ma- another major label here called Discord Records, right? And right. They're, they, they're essentially like a curator for like punk rock and alternative and emo and stuff like that, right? So okay. there was a story about them possibly re-releasing early Bad Brains material, right? But Ian was Ooh. like, no, they left. They made their choice. Oh. And I'm like, wow, "Wow, guys! It was 1979. Let it go. And this is like, this is like the mid 20 2010s. This was still going on. Like, 40 years almost. That's true, and it's weird because I met Ian actually, and I'll put it this way: with him, you either get one or two experiences. Luckily, mine was positive. Like, you know, I (laughs) thought he, I thought he brushed me off one time, right? But I was talking to a couple of friends of mine, and he tapped me on the shoulders. Hey, you want to take that picture still? I'm like. Oh uh, yeah, sure. And cool. I did make him kind of blush because I said, Is it true that the biggest collection of go go in the music area, in the area? And he's like, Wow, well yeah. And the truth <laughs> is because he's an avid go go collector. And mm-hmm. I told him I asked about the young centers and a soul search and stuff like that, and he was pretty knowledgeable. And you know, wow. it was a pretty interesting time. It's you know, but nonetheless though, but I can hear about that being very political. And yeah, it's it can be cut out here, surprisingly enough.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. I'll say the younger generation, um, I went to this place called the House of Secrets in D.C., uh, which is really dope where um, Parliament, Funkadelic, Miles, no, who's was it? Um, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Prince, all of them would go here after they would like perform at big shows in, in D.C. And they would just vibe out and just chill out and all that stuff. And I was there, and I saw some of the young musicians coming up and um what i loved about them is that the you can tell that they weren't about politics they weren't about anything that was the ugly side of the industry they just wanted to come and create music and so when i was sitting with these guys i'm like man we're, we're like 10 years apart in age but you know we're, we're we're all like vibing together and working together and and to me because we don't know each other's history we don't know each other's story but like i was just so like, overwhelmed with joy and happiness to see that the next generation coming up isn't like, you know, how my generation was, where everybody was like, oh, no, stay away, stay away, you know, don't get late, like, you know, everybody was working together and wanting to create something beautiful, and, you know, um, and we discussed business, you know, ethically with good intentions and all that stuff, and, and, and that was it, you know, and, and I wish it could have been like that when I was coming up, like, in my teens and things like that, but that that's the reason why we're out the way I went but I love to see these these new kids you know um really embracing you know um just partnerships and you know good chemistry and um yeah I respect that
0: this was needed really in a scene because I remember hearing stories about you know like old New York stories about like if you were in a band if you were in a band and there was another band playing it was like being a rival gang mm-hmm. but it's more community for what I'm seeing and I'm noticing Right, you know? I can
1: respect that. I love that. You know, now there is a pro and a con to that because you know, like you said, the local gays, like you know, the time versus the revolution. And <laughs> oh, totally. It's, it's, but like you know, it 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 it, it breeded creativity for them to have that competitiveness. So a little bit of competitiveness is good as long as it just doesn't go into the side where you know somebody wants to f somebody's mom just because, like, <laughs> <'cause> they, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, like, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who
0: doesn't enjoy some milk and cookies, though? <laughs>
1: Oh, I know I do. All right. <laughs> all
0: right. But speaking of local artists, though, all right, yeah. you work. OK, you work with Wale, but one. OK, but one really sticks with me is you work with Raheem Devon, though, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy that. Big, big shout out to the big homie, man. I love uh, working with Raheem. OK. Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was interesting. Um, I, I Once again, the DMV thing politically, I heard some things from other people were like, man, he's a jerk, he's an a-hole, he's arrogant, he's full of himself, so, and I was like, okay, so when they say that, I'm like, I'm listening to them, I'm not so quick to believe. So, when I met him on my own, he was a sweetheart. <laughs> he, was, he was nice as I don't know what. We, we dapped up, we took pictures and all that stuff, you know, um, exchange information, and uh, I believe the first time that I worked with him was back in 2013, and um, my team, um, uh, Carver and Ivan, uh, hit me up and said, "Yo, we need some um, intros uh, for you know uh, Raheem Devon's uh, a place called Loveland album." I was like, "Oh, okay, dope." So I stayed up that night from one to about three a.m. Created two intros, send them off, you know, and didn't even think nothing about it. Within two months later, I get a call from Darrell Bishop, you know, who's um, also um, affiliated with our team in Philadelphia, and he was like, "Yo, man, your intro got picked, man." I was like, "What?" I'm like, "What, what are we talking about here?" He said was out album. I said, what? Oh, dope, man. That's what's up. He was like, man, it was probably like 20, 30 different other intros and all this stuff, but they kept playing yours, and they were like, this is the strongest one. And, you know, um, what was also special about that was um, I did that from the home where I grew up before, um, you know, get, getting the new house, you know. I um, did that at my parents' house. And, um, uh, yeah, I wasn't in a huge, big, multi-million dollar studio. I wasn't in New York. I wasn't in L.A. I wasn't in Atlanta. I was in my room where I grew up with um, you know, new equipment that I bought, and I just created something, and so for that to go up against some, you know, heavy hitters, and I, I would keep some of the names out as far as some of the producers who were going for that intro, uh, but I, I beat out, you know, some some vets in the game, and I was really um happy about that, man. So um, so after that, I, you know, uh, got my placement with with uh, him, and then um, uh, he traveled, you know, around the world, you know, with it touring. Jimmy Fallon held up the album, you know, uh, and I was. I was just taken back, man. I'm like off, off from my parents' house, man. You know, um, so yeah, working with Raheem, uh, he, and he's always been cool about it. Always been respectful.
0: That's what's fascinating to me right now. We're in this era right now where people outside of the studio system
1: are mm-hmm. creating
0: these amazing works of art. Like, okay, remember Billy, yep. Billy Eilish? She, oh man, yeah. Like the album she got a Grammy for. Her. She actually recorded mm-hmm. her, her and her brother.
1: Yep, her and her brother, and some of that was recorded in a bathroom or something like that. Oh, yeah. Like, um yeah that, that was wild man but goes to show you man like these new like the, the new softwares logic pro tools whatever anybody uses you know you don't even need expensive microphones or preamps you know the systems you know are able to make those things sound you know better than you know just regular factory <laughs> you know what i'm saying so, oh yeah yeah man
0: but oddly enough though okay it's kind of funny we're talking about like working outside of the studio system all right what was it like you know, at the hallowed halls of Bias Studios? Mm,
1: it was it was magnetic, man. Um, that studio really just took me in and, it, like, it morphed me. <laughs> it's, it's like whenever I go to a certain place, it just there's a certain energy that may be there and because maybe so many greats came through that space. Oh, yeah. Um, but, dude, like, from the outside, it, it just totally tricks your eyes. You're like, oh, uh, okay, you think there's about to be a little hole in the wall. You walk in and this whole place is like some – on some willy wonka chocolate factory like i'm like oh my god it's look at this
0: very unassuming funny unassuming
1: very very unassuming man and um i love their their studio a and b sections i love the the, the mix the mixer looked like a just a gigantic motherboard and so oh, i was really just um in, in a you know zone i saw the grammy awards up on the uh, top shelf and the, uh, the wood panels and just everything just um it, it was amazing and working there for um this artist um I was doing work with, uh, her name is Alex Vaughn, I believe, and uh, she's going to be coming out with some stuff soon, so um, we, me and her, her um, co- um, her producer were there, and we were just knocking out stuff, it was just the four of us, and I'm um, an engineer, and they had this amazing Yamaha piano that was padded with cushioning, and just all the sonic personality was just like, you know, um, just oozing out of it into the microphones, and um it it was just great to be in a historic place like that. I think it's been there since seventy three. Oh yeah, yeah, it's been there for yeah. a while. Like
0: literally, yeah. Gil Scott Heron's recorded there, Trouble Funk's recorded there. Wow. Um, it's one band out of um Virginia. It was like it was like our Black Sabbath it's called Pentagrams recorded there. Iron Grande okay. recorded there. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think you told me a story of uh, <laughs> you you with Iron Grande. Would you like to tell everybody, <laughs> or would you like me to tell it? <laughs>
0: You know, it worked out well, but that was, uh, yeah, interesting
1: time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a nice. uh, All I can say right here is this: we were in Studio B, mining Studio B, standing for mining my black ass business.
1: Um, (laughs) Right? She just comes in with a nice little skirt and heels, and hair flowing like, okay, well, no, 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 she didn't come in. No, some guy. No, her
0: people (laughs) came in, just came in, like it's like just toss everybody out and everything. I'm like, wow, I'm like. I'm not even her demo, you know. I'm like, don't worry, sweetheart. Um, I'm more of a Selena Gomez guy myself. Oh, um,
1: no, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> hey, so it yeah,
0: worked like out. F- <laughs> it worked out fine in the end, you know. But uh it was a weird moment. Think about it, she was late for her session. Actually, that was the jacked up part. At least be really? professional, you know. That's all I'm saying. But oh, um, reality. but what yeah. studio were you guys in?
1: We were in Studio A. Um, the, Studio A is the mixer, right? um with the mixer board yeah actually
0: both studio a and b have the mixer but studio a has the has the, the one you step down in
1: yeah that one that one
0: yeah mm-hmm. nice You're that right was that. great spot great for recording drums too
1: it, it was beautiful man i enjoyed it and it's just um dude when when i look from the other um part of the studio as well like up, <laughs> uh with a giant giant mixer is i would so it, studio it b? like yeah, yeah, it's It looked like something out of um what was it? Uh, um, we are the world. Like when I was looking. It down, really like,
0: did. It's the wood paneling. It, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks like a. It looks like a seventies basement. It looks. It's very shag carpeting, but it makes yeah. sense on why you know. Mm-hmm. You know, because. I, I mean, it does. Great, it is great for sound acoustics and everything. You know, very, very, very earthy there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really enjoyed it. You know. And I always think yeah. like I probably stood the same place Ghost Guy Heron was standing. I probably was standing. I was I literally sat the same place uh Big Tony was standing a few times, sitting a few times too, you know. Really? Yeah. Oh my just, but you can almost feel like, you know Their The, energy. the you energy, can feel the energies
1: of the past
0: um artists. Yep. Exactly, you know. So it's just one of those cool moments and everything, you know. All oh right. man. One yeah. other thing a lot of people might not know about you, but you had a choice between animation and music coming up.
1: Yes, very true. Um, my my dad was going to send me to art school over in Philadelphia, go figure. And um, I was just drawing ever since I was little, you know, just as much as I um, did music. And um, I, I, as soon as I received a, a piano scholarship, you know, from Bethune-Cookman University, my dad looked at the amount of money and said, they're willing to pay you this much to play on a piano. I said, like, yeah. And, I, and then another scholarship came through for, um, for voice. And what I remember about Bethune-Cookman, um, shout out to my school, Bethune-Cookman University, um, when, they, they didn't have any piano scholarships at all for any students. But once they saw my DVD, the, um, the dean of music, Dr. Powell, uh, shout out to him, he p- allocated money and put together a, a personalized scholarship for me uh, of over uh, 5,000. And and then um, the concert crowd followed up and said we want them to sing with us too. So they gave me a voice scholarship. So I, um, you know, so as soon as I got that, my dad was like, "Yeah, tell you what, art will always be there, drawing, painting, go for the music." And so I, um, I started. I went for the music. And the reason why I'm also happy about that, I, I you know, I draw every now and then, you know, uh, just to see where my skill set is at, you know. And I believe that certain gifts just magnify or manifest over time and get better and better without you even trying. And um, when I drew a picture of Donnie Hathaway, um, that literally went very, you know, I won't say viral, but it, you know, it, it got a lot of traction on social media. You know, um, I, I was happy with that, that people enjoyed it, and that some people wanted pieces, you know, um, for sale. Uh, but the palm of my hand was like on fire, literally, for, like after 45 minutes of drawing, and I was like, you know what? I'm glad I went towards music and piano because that is less um, tense. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, than, than, than having a Damn near, break my hand, man. You know,
0: so, yeah. Somebody from the Hathaways recognized that drawing of yours, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: dude, that was wild. Um, shout out to Donnie Hathaway's daughter. Uh, Donnie Hathaway's daughter and also Glenn Lewis, who um, is a, a phenomenal vocalist who um, sounds like Stevie Wonder, you know, from my generation. Both of them, you know, liked and commented on it, and, um, and me and his daughter, um, you know, messaged, you know, through um, Instagram. And so I was very, very honored, um, that, um, his daughter, you know, liked my painting, man, you know, so shout out to the, the Hathaway family.
0: Cool. So, okay. Influence. Okay. Cartooning wise, who are your influences?
1: Man. Um, uh, Dexter's, uh, laboratory, the creator for him. Jenny um, shout out to yes, him. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Shout out to him. Danny Phantom. Butch um, Hartman. Yeah. Butch Hartman. That's my boy. Uh, who And, uh, uh uh Powerpuff Girls who um, I Craig McCracken, that's my dude mm-hmm. Very good. I love the people who uh, created from two thousand to oh no, excuse me, from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and four, SpongeBob. I like the creator uh for uh, for him.
0: R I P. And Steven Hillenberg.
1: Yes. Ren and Stimpy, you already know. <laughs> John Chris Falusi, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did I ever show you that drawing that I made? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I believe so. I saw several of you Yo, man, uh, and that's what I love about you too, John, so you understand from a musical side and from the artistic, you know, just drawing, sketching side. I gotta work I on my I gotta work
0: it. on my inks because every time I do a really good line drawing when I start to ink it, it looks like a five-year-old druid. <laughs> oh, well,
1: you know. That's an um, art. And
0: people don't give the guy who does inks and everything enough credit because...
1: Enough credit, right, right, right. The inks can that's...
0: make or break a drawing, you know?
1: Man, it's so hard, so hard. But, um... Uh, Oh, and the the creator for Hey Arnold, and the music for Hey Arnold as well. Craig Bartlett. Yeah, Craig Bartlett. And
0: Jim Lang, too, the guy who did the guitar. Yeah, Jim Lang. He is underrated. Very, very, very. I love Hey Arnold coming up because I felt like, all right, I have a weird shape head. I like smooth jazz, too. This thing is freaking made for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. And um, also, I love the new stuff like Team Titans Go and um, Steven Universe, um, and uh, was there anything else? Yeah, the
0: creators actually from here, like from – actually from the area, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, I heard that. I heard that. Um, that's, that's crazy, man. So, yeah, in
0: fact, the place that uh, Steven Universe – the University of the Universe is actually based off Ocean City, Maryland. Are you –
1: Ocean City, Maryland? Yeah, it's
0: actually based off Ocean City, Maryland. That's where Yo, it's based off of.
1: dog, that makes so much – oh, my God, man. Like, when I go back in my mind as far as watching some of the, like, um, episodes – Okay, I okay, yeah, that's crazy, son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see similarities. I, I don't know how I missed that.
0: <laughs> there are nuances that even pick up on one. Speaking yeah. of which, I never could understand why people thought that Martin Lawrence would be from Detroit. There was nothing oh. Detroit about that guy.
1: Oh. <laughs> Dude, man, it's like, a, yeah, Martin, Dave Chappelle, you know, we got Genuine, who went to uh, Roosevelt High School over here. I found that uh, was my got...
0: cousin, actually.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: Genuine is your cousin man? Genuine is a distant cousin on my mom's side. I didn't know Stop that. Stop I kid you me. not. I thought it was a joke or something like that. I was like, but then I found I did the lineage. I forgot which I forgot how, but that's actually a cousin of mine. You know, I did make him blush with the dirty joke though. So I'm actually proud yeah. of him too. It wasn't he cool that, dude? He's cool, he's a great guy, you know. He actually lives hey, out man. the last time I checked, he lives on Oxen Hill, Maryland, you know. Oh nice So too. he always stayed, you know, he never forgot his roots and everything. All yeah. right so I'm curious though if somebody gave you the chance to develop a cartoon would you take would you be down to take the opportunity or feel like eh, you know I enjoy it as a hobby or like something kind of like just something for me I don't want to share that part I want to have something for me you know what I'm saying
1: yeah yeah that's a very good question me I would would definitely go all in because it's nothing like um, I feel like since I grew up just watching cartoons and just my imagination and my sensory would just you know just blow off the charts I was like man you know I would want to do something like that. And, I, in fact, that's what I planned on doing before music. If I wasn't going to do music, I was going to go into being a cartoonist, you know, um, early on. And I was—I uh, didn't think about breaking in until, like, 33, 34, which was the age I'm at now. And it's really interesting. Um, I didn't look exactly like I thought I would look at 34. I thought I would have had a pot belly and, like, you know, short hair. And I don't know. Man. So, we basically, all have
0: every cartoonist, actually, you would have that <laughs> do
1: Pretty much, man. But I'm like, no, I'm still slim and slender. Got a full head of hair, man. You know, but still got a baby face. I'm like, yeah, we'll we we'll keep we'll keep music on. But I, I definitely would. I'm I'm not opposed to it. I love, you know, like I told you, Steven Universe and Team Titans. You know, and um, I, I like you know stuff that Beast Boy uh, does. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and the music and the soundtracks and certain things like that. And I'm like, I can see me creating something, you know, or getting with you know creators to spearhead a cartoon. And just doing the the whole entire score the whole entire you know um yeah just the music for the um, whole entire cartoon so i i'm I'm still looking forward to that i'm still pushing forward uh, for something like that
0: i can see that because a lot of musicians happen to have that side like eric stefani literally quit no doubt gave the band to his sister and worked mm-hmm. on the simpsons rob's you know rob zombie for example like he designed a lot of the artwork in fact he created the hallucination scene beavis and butthead to america um, those are Chris Brown. I actually like his drawings a lot more than his music. I'm gonna tell you the truth.
1: Yeah, Chris Brown's uh, talented. Like his graffiti, his paint artwork, man. You know, um, a lot of musicians um have that side. You know, even Michael Jackson. If, if you look at some of his paintings or drawings that he did, you'd be like, yeah. Yo, it, when you're an artist, I feel like you're an artist in the whole sense of what an artist, you know, or the definition. Like you know, like you create. <laughs> You know and not saying every musician can draw but i'm you know i'm specific i'm like i believe an artist can do many things you know so
0: yeah you know it's kind of definitely. funny like Dweezel Zappo call his dad's um like uh guitar solo's air sculptures and it makes sense you know wow so mm-hmm. most definitely i kind of hear that too you know like I yeah, yeah yeah all right but all right let me get kind of like kind of geek out right here all right so sure. what are some of your fave michael jackson demos deep or b sides
1: hmm first one that pops in my mind is baby be mine from the thriller album uh leave me alone uh i love uh da, 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 da. oh um it's the falling in love from the off the wall album i love girlfriend from off the wall album off the wall is just filled with a lot of b-sides and um burn this disco out which is a uh, dope as I don't or what man i love um working day and night is <laughs> that hey, i think that might be a b-side and um Let's see, uh, any other Michael Jackson uh, joints um, from, let's see, we did Off the Wall, we did Thriller. Oh, shoot, they released really almost every song on that one. Uh, and then uh, Danger, let's see, Bad. Uh, I do love. <laughs> Now I like all the main ones, like the beat Yeah, uh, Bad. I love Michael Jackson. I always felt like Bad could not hold a candle to Thriller. That's just me. Uh, <laughs> and the uh, uh, Let's see, the the Dangerous album. I love um, Keep the Faith. That was that's a beautiful song. And um, uh, In the Closet is a dope song. I'm not sure if that's a B side, but um, yeah. So that, that's all I can think of at the top of my head at the moment. <laughs> all
0: right, because my favorite demo that never really got. Off the ground, I've always wished they had finished flesh this out more. It was if you don't love me off the dangerous sessions. Dangerous
1: uh, yeah, the dangerous um, sessions. Yep. Because
0: Excellent. that reminded me of like Michael Jackson trying to do Britpop. It sounded like the Equals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. like, it was a uh, Bill Patrell helping write that too. Yeah. You know that no. guy does not get enough credit. Like like you mentioned before, he stays in the shadows.
1: He does. I only see one picture of the dude, man. Whenever I hear Bill Patrol, I'm like. The dude's royalty checks got to be crazy. <laughs> I think <laughs> but, that's why you know, it
0: stays in the shadows because there's no reason for him to go out to the light.
1: You that know? is true. For thirty years, man, like you only see the that one picture, maybe when he was standing next to Michael Jackson in, in a session, man, and like you know you see probably half his face. But like, um, Bill Bottrell is is uh, I think he was kind of like an in and out. I want to give him like a legend type of songwriter, but he was like very in and out. But I'll still give it to him. Yeah, Bill Bottrell is dope. You mm-hmm. know,
0: um. Mm-hmm. another cool thing about Michael Jackson, I don't think he ever gets credit for, is like he always picked great guitar players to help out. You know, yes, like Slash, Greg House, Steve Stevens. I can't remember the one woman that he used to is Barbara something. I can't remember her name though.
1: Um, oh wait, 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 wait. Um, I, there, there's a young lady that he used on his Dangerous, well, Bad and Dangerous. Story. Her name was her name was Jennifer.
0: Uh, yeah, her, her as Jennifer. Well
1: and um roger troutman uh who also uh, played with the zap band he played on michael jackson's bad album really yeah I um there's a picture did not know that. <laughs> yeah there's a picture of michael jackson and uh, roger troutman that you, if you google it man and they've opened the studio and funny story about that um uh, some of michael's people came to roger Troutman. <laughs> you know how roger's kind of zany He's... oh yeah 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 um, god bless him so y'all kind uh, re- of people...
0: y'all remind me from what i've heard of roger troutman Mm-hmm. every story i heard about him you guys had that same energy
1: yeah somebody else said that they like you kind of favor him a little bit on i like, like him you know, yeah. you know um, like but,
0: I, you know you remind me of a little bit of rogers trowman angelo more fishbone like this really perky oh, optimistic dude you know and also
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's a great guy you know it's like he's yeah. an awesome dude you know yeah yeah
1: yeah um, but um, I do remember that story when Roger Troutman was going to, uh, into the you know studio to do guitar for Michael, and somebody one of uh, Michael's team people came to him and said, alright, hey, whatever you do, don't rub him the wrong way, and Rogers was like, man, get out of my way, man, I'm gonna be me, and the whole time, Roger Troutman had him die, like, he had Michael roll a dog, he said he just told him his funny jokes, and he was just being himself, and they, they, you know, had a, you know, just a really good, friendly, you know, session and all that stuff, man, so, yeah, it's cool. Two geniuses, man.
0: Totally, you know. Mm-hmm. One collab I've, I wish they fleshed up more was the one with Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury.
1: Freddie Mercury would state the shot, man. Oh, come on, John. You're you coming with it with this interview boy? Do you know that um, they, they just didn't have time to finish it because Michael had the victory tour going on. Freddie Mercury had, you know, stuff as Queen, and they still maintained their friendship afterwards. And, you know, um, Michael said, Freddie, do you mind if, you know, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Mick Jagger? does it you know um, just in case we don't have time and he's like oh yeah it's like as long as you and i remain friends it's probably fine but my god you do know that there is a version of it on youtube right
0: yeah i've heard that and somebody actually mixed both versions the freddie mercury version with the with the mick jagger version but you know there's another reason why at least it's allegedly i had to say allegedly for reasons but you know the other alleged reason why freddie mercury left the sessions right why because he got freaked out by that camel Michael Jackson had.
1: You know what? Yeah, I didn't hear about that. It was a giraffe or a camel or a llama. Like my, it was either a like, camel
0: or a llama. One of those, Either way, it a four. It was a. Funny. It was a four feet, and in, indoors, <laughs> and it freaked Freddie Mercury out. He called his manager and said, "Get me out of here, love. Get me out of here with
1: this guy, man. The dude's crazy. He like, and he like, well, Freddie, what's wrong? Are you in danger? No, the dude got a damn giraffe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think most people would have the same reaction. You know, I try to pet it though.
1: Dude, it's so freaking funny. I'm like, yeah. The, I never knew that a Jackson could freak out a member from Queen. I, I just, nev- I could never ever believe. Sure, that, man. this.
0: Don't forget, Freddie Mercury also punched out Johnny Rodden. Or was it Sid Vicious? I'm sorry, it was Sid Vicious. He actually punched him out one time.
1: Yeah, people kind of slept on uh, Freddie. They didn't know what to do box. Freddie Mercury <laughs> had hands. People don't Did realize get- that. He was a trained, bo- man. <laughs> yeah. And a quick but,
0: wit. I'm like, seriously, you're either going to get roasted or your block knocked off. You wouldn't mess yeah, with Freddie Mercury.
1: Um, you know, those are the two options, man. But, like, uh, and God bless him, too. Like, I feel just another amazing talent. I always, um, it's something I think Dr. Seuss said. He said, um, don't cry when they leave. Uh, rejoice that they were here or something like that. And so he was definitely a magnetic man.
0: There was yeah. another quote from uh, Dr. Seuss, too. Mm-hmm. Kids mm-hmm. scared the crap out of me.
1: <laughs> he was <laughs> terrified <laughs> of children. of people don't realize that. <laughs> it's so funny that I believe it. anything funny and awkward that just seems like an oxymoron. I, I believe it. I believe it because it just makes sense. He the looked people... <laughs> like one of
0: the three Stooges. You ever see a picture of him? Yeah, yeah, Doctor uh, Dr. Seuss was a very
1: admirable very
0: He abnormal. looked like one of the lost three Stooges. Actually, you know. Yeah, you did
1: hear about his adult book, right? Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah he he was a he was yeah. on one yeah um and, and he, look man i don't put nothing past nobody when i heard lavar burton uh read um shut the f up and go to sleep or something like that man i was like okay yeah look we're all adults here it's cool of course <laughs> because
0: all the kids you read to read in rainbow have kids
1: of their own now it, they, they're grown and so that's what it made me so happy because i'm like it, it shouldn't scare people to just be an adult <laughs> you know what I'm exactly saying? you know yeah. all right
0: so we talk about fave michael jackson demos deep cuts and b-sizer etc what are your favorite prince ones
1: Ah, uh, she's always in my hair. <laughs> oh, easy, easy. That one pops into my head, and I think the reason why is um, D'Angelo also did a great uh, job on it. I do love, um, I love, I love Hot Thing. I love um, uh, It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night. Uh, a lot of the stuff from Sign of the Times. Um, uh, glam Slam uh, from um, uh, his 1988 album. Oh, Lady Cab Driver that I also did a remake of um, um of that one um and what else i love from oh there's a song called extra lovable bro i'm not sure if you that's the that one movie. i
0: was trying to that's i was looking up the name because i couldn't remember right i'll put it yeah. this way i love how the original sounded Me too.
1: from 1982 it's from the 1999 album but like um it, I, the remake was i love the instrumentation i love the production but nothing will ever beat you know, um, the, the the original from 1982, man. It's just the way it was done. And throwing in little
0: disses at his old bandmate, too.
1: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just
0: glad they got rid of that
1: other lyric. Oh,
0: yeah. I keep hearing different stories, actually, about... The story was, it wasn't actually meant... That song wasn't meant for him. He was actually writing it for Vanity 6. Oh, You know, so, wow. out of context, it sounds really creepy, but yeah, in context, they... it still doesn't sound any better, but it's a flip on... You know, um,
1: baby, you could turn my mama on, and she's just as straight, just as straight as straight yeah. Dude, yeah, that, that wasn't the was
0: lyric just... I was thinking of, actually, but I'm not gonna even mention yeah. it. Look it up, folks.
1: Yeah, and, um, um, Prince, I love my Gemini brother, I love him, God bless him. He, was, um, he loved a lot of great music. Um, oh, and also, um, uh, 17 Days, another beautiful B side from um uh, the Purple Rain album, and Delica. Yes, yes. That was Shut another good one, too. Yes, sir.
0: I've always loved Prince's rock stuff, you know? Like, and I know yeah. he loved punk and New Wave, you know? In fact, that's what Dirty Mind really was. Like, he's right. like, oh, I see what you guys are doing. I can do that, too. You know? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, like, because I found, like, some, like, these two songs that he did, it was kind of like, it wasn't a troll thing, but it was him kind of getting it out. But I kind of like his interpretation of what punk rock would be. Like, he did mm-hmm. a cover, he did a version of When Doves Cry, called When Doves Scream and one song called anti-christian punk version and i was like and this is truth be told is though even though it was punk really it was born out avant-garde but it made sense it sounded like what prince if he got into like punk not new wave not post-punk but if he tried to fit it with those guys it would sound way more abrasive way more avant-garde so crazy it makes sense
1: you know yeah, and oh, one more song. I, I'm not sure if it's a B-side, but um, I always love the song from um, '85's um, uh, we, we, Paisley Park um, album, uh, "America." Yes, Good America. I, I love that record. Love that record. What are you thoughts? Um, did you ever check out the Black album? Yes, I checked out. Um, and you know what? Shout out to my big brother Stanley Cooper. He gave me everything uh, uh, the, from you know the, from the Black album. I got the Gold album too. Um, and Emancipation and um, a bunch of other ones uh, from like he, he, he even gave me the rehearsals I got, I got, I had all this stuff on vinyl and I uh, transferred the vinyls um, to you know mp3s and all that stuff man but I, I, I went through just a whole I, I think I took two weeks to go through all of you know um, Prince's um, yeah, anthologies like all his unreleased stuff Like, uh, but yeah the black album the black album has Julie ba- uh, the Billy Jack bitch on it I think
0: True, but no, no, no. That was the gold experience. But you know the gold. Experience. Okay. But yeah. funny story. You know where the sample comes from when somebody yelling bitch. You know what that sample's from, right? Where is that from? That's actually Angela Moore off the song Lion Ass Bitch.
1: Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Prince I gotta check that out.
0: Prince loved a lot of black rock bands. I hate that term because it's repetitive. It's almost like southern rock.
1: Yeah, right, right. That's right. where it,
0: that's where it came from. Black people down south. So how can you have black Dude. rock and southern rock? It's kind of you know.
1: I'm loving this, man. I'm loving all this. I'm getting, I'm, I'm like, it's fueling my brain right now. I'm about to go check it out. Like, so oh, yeah. it's done. <laughs>
0: yeah. You ever see that picture with Morris Day and when Prince was dressed up as Jamie Starr?
1: I believe I did. I saw several pictures of um, uh, Prince and uh, Morris Day. This, this was back in 81, 82. It was, I'm trying.
0: it was a black and white picture. And Prince is a yeah. straight up character. Like, it doesn't even look like him.
1: Yeah, um, I think I know know which one you're talking about. His hair was a little, like, um, spiky, kind of down over his eye. Yeah, also, like, the
0: sunglasses, too, and his really ugly goatee. And I'm like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, yeah. Prince had ulcers, man. He had a –
0: Prince had a great sense of humor.
1: He was wild, yeah. Uh, You know? He was was hilarious, yeah.
0: Totally. Mm -hmm. You know, but – all right. For you, I'm not surprised. You're the kind of type that transfer rehearsal tapes and everything to different mediums. I'm not surprised about that at all. You know? Oh, oh
1: yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I did the same thing. All right, but all right. Speaking of stuff like that, what's your gear setup?
1: My gear setup is um, I use Logic, you know, software wise, um, and then contact plugins. I also use Spectrasonics plugins. So that's Omnisphere, Keyscape, Trillion, Um, Really great synthesizers. Um, Keyscape is like just premier. Piano sounds for, you know, the pianist. And um, just um, a mess of synthesizer sounds on um, um The the whole anthology with microwaves, overheims, Juno's, uh, Farispa Fer- Fer- I can never say that right. What is that thing that Herbie Hancock played on? <laughs> the Fer- something I got to look it up. Like,
0: okay, this is a funny story. There's a certain word I can't say. That's why I say synth or keys because I can't say the whole word.
1: Got gotcha, you, got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Can you guess um, which one it is? Let's see. what's synth short for?
0: I can't say the word. I can't say say it. My tongue flies on my mouth.
1: Wow, synthesizer. I got you you. That's why I always
0: say synth or keys. Synth or (laughs) keys.
1: That's why I say
0: it. I just say either synth or keys. That's why. Every Um, time I say it, it sounds like I'm drunk. Like synthesizer. See, (laughs) told you.
1: Like Sylvester, man. It's like, exactly. Man. It's not like a <laughs> drunken
0: <laughs> version of Sylvester cad cat, you know.
1: Oh man! But um, originally but, uh, yeah, Thomas,
0: by the way. But anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and also as far as hardware, um, I just bought me a new, um, uh, let's see, it was a one, what, one of a kind, um, or limited time only, all black on black Juno DS Roland, um, that I use for pretty much just for performances. I love the warm sound of it, and I'm um, thinking about I'm um, getting a Jupiter a little excuse me a, a mini jupiter soon um so i love those really strong you know um aggressive yeah warm sounds from um roland um uh, performance wise that's where i'm at with that but studio stuff all logic um and spectrasonics and contact hmm.
0: i'm just mm-hmm. i'm just curious are you more of a like live player or studio guy like which one do you prefer
1: Ah, both fifty-fifty, man, or a hundred percent, a hundred percent, both. Um, I just enjoy the energy from the crowd, and I also enjoy the energy that God, you know, uh, fl- flows through me when I'm creating. When I'm just in my own personal space, it's just it's you get the intimacy of creating, and then you get the social <laughs> side when you're performing because you feel like you're communicating with people. So it's a, it's a beautiful marriage, man. I love
0: it. Oh, totally. I feel mm-hmm. the same way, actually. Like gear mm-hmm. set up wise here, I'm kind of simple. Like, all right my case i use i use my task dp 32 sd a couple nice. of um a couple of uh, monitors they're i call them john Late Fields or jbls shout out to mm. the ones that get that one um yes sir <laughs> exactly I remember, it was, I remember it was part of brashley part of apa actually he has a glass jaw by the way but he's it's a weird thing about him like apparently the way you get his respect is if he gets drunk and he starts tapping i said what are you gonna do if you punch him you give him like a straight out punch on his like left or like, you give him like a left or right hook. Is like, hell you're a racket? Right, and Dang. it's a weird thing for him, but that's here and there. Um, <laughs> I got a bunch of weird stories. People always send me articles on wrestling. Say, is this true? It's like that's barely the surface. Um, it's, it's, I'm
1: done, man. I love these stories.
0: Oh yeah. So all right, but it's like you know. I don't know, I'm more of like a are you so are you
1: engineered too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Engineer. Um slight engineer, but um I, I, I um contract different engineers out, you know, a lot of close uh business, you know, friends and things like even though you're not supposed to mix the business with your friends, but you know, they're they're cool people. They're good. Yeah,
0: true. So are yeah. right, engineering wise, even though it's like even though you have others, what's
1: your preferred mode to engineer in? Hmm, preferred mode to engineer in from the Whew. Man, that's a good question, man. I, don't, I think I'm still trying to figure that out. As far I'll always be in the passenger side and let the engineer kind of um, do what he does or she, whatever he or she does, and I'll offer my you know, um, things as far as – I'll give them references like, you know what? I, I would like this over here. I like my sounds to be very warm. Dirty, grungy, almost like, you know, uh, D'Angelo's Black Messiah. (laughs) Um, So I I like, um, I give them references to be like, I like, you know, a lot of warmth. Don't make it sound clean. You know, just like what D'Angelo said, I like to take my milk straight from the cow and give it straight to the consumer, you know. uh, So um, not too much processing. You know, if anything, I like my vocals to sound or sit a certain way. One thing that comes to mind that I always reference is Stevie Wonder's Hotter Than July album. I love the way his vocals were placed in that album. (laughs) <laughs> like whoever makes that it's, um, and also uh, the secret life of plants. so um, I just pretty much you know, sit in the passenger side and let my engineers do what they do let them, you know, um, landscape and make great art, you know um, uh, with uh, whatever I give
0: them Alright, I'm in a similar way actually because alright, well with my band actually I just mic everything up, like um, mm. when it comes to drums, I do like the old Glenn Johns trick, you know, overhead yeah. on the snare Another, mm-hmm. another one hovering over the, over the floor, Tom, 32 inches mm-hmm. by 32 inches off the snare. Yeah. Um, maybe a snare mic depends on various, how I feel that day. Um, vocals either into his little preamp or, or directly into the board. And mm-hmm. I have the guitars and bass di and everything. That's just what I do. And, and I used to just go and dump it into FO studio, mix it. And people are like, we really sound like that. Most mm-hmm. of the time, I might have a little compression and whatnot, but you know, the, it's almost like you know the rehearsals itself sound almost like a Bell Race album. So, oh, nice, you know, shout out to shout out to Bob and Lisa, they cool as shit. Um, nice. All right, our taste might be rooted in a certain era. We try to stay as contemporary as possible, right? So right. that being said, all right, you study the greats, but you don't sound dated. How does one mm. pull that off? Because even I'm trying to figure that out.
1: Man, thank you, man. Um, I. Uh, just love the new software that come out. I believe that people should you know, uh, especially if you're an artist understand the concept and the reality with um, upgrades or what comes with upgrades. Your stuff will pop. It'll be enhanced. Now that doesn't mean that um, you know, (laughs) you just you know, use the same, you know, M1 core from, you know, 25 years ago and all that stuff. I'm like, no. Like, really take heed to these new plugins and how you know, they were programmed in such a way to, you know, retain, you know, the sound that we're all familiar with, but it's enhanced and it's more beefed up, you know. Um, so I like to use a lot of things in Logic, like I said, Spectrosonics, you know, um, the, the Keyscapes and the Trillions, you know, the synth bases from Omnisphere, synthesizers from Alteria. And, um, you know, uh, the way that they crafted these plugins, the, the analogs are just, you know, they're, they're very well. Yeah, <laughs> like they're well programmed, almost like if I would take just a regular hardware, you know, um, Jupiter, you know, um, synthesizer, plug that in somewhere and try to play that, you know, just the audio into um, logic. I believe you could translate, you know, very, very well. Sometimes it's best to have the, you know, uh, real authentic thing in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all about how stuff is engineered as well. So, you know, sounds is one thing. But, like, um, the engineering aspect, and the one thing I do is um, just the, the different concepts that I studied from school when I went to Georgia Southern University. Is, you know, with different high-pass, low-pass filters, delays, reverbs, uh, things like that. You know, um, I try not to do too much processing to condense the sound down or too much compression. I like a lot of things to kind of just be right there out there in your face. Um, <laughs> pause. <laughs> uh, but, uh, right now,
0: there's some gear geek right now The bottle of lotion, actually, just really excited. <laughs>
1: But, um, yeah, um, there's a way for your stuff to be mixed a certain way where it doesn't have to sound dated. And also you just have to know how instruments complement one another. You know, um, some people just don't have the right either instruments or the right mindset to, you know, place things, you know, audibly in the right place, you know, if that makes any sense. So, um, yeah, that's how I try to – yeah, I like to keep my stuff you know, I'll keep the stuff from what I've heard from the 80s and 90s without it having to sound 90s-ish. There's different, you know, levels of how you could you know, mix things to make certain, like, you know, like there was a time, you know, um, with David's stuff where the drums would be buried in the mix. Now we bring the drums up so that way you can smack, you know, a lot harder than what it normally d- does. And then you make sure the synthesizers are either, you know, if they're not in the middle, they're panned a certain way, but they still mixed well enough to give you that strong balance and everything is just working, you know, and complementing You know very well so it's all about your mix
0: totally that's what my biggest gripe about classic rock albums were like all right whenever i'm mixing something i always Mm -hmm. try to imagine imagine on stage right yeah all right like or at least how like speakers are so to speak right because it's true technically the bass is actually on is actually on the right or the left the guitars are on the right or the left but you know when it comes to vocals the standard is to me at least is vocals Bass, drums in the middle, guitars, keys, whatever on the sides, whatever you want to put on there, you know. But one thing that always pissed me off about those, like a lot of '60s rock songs, is that mm-hmm. they have the drums like on the far right or far left for some reason. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Do that, and true, there were some times when you would actually have the setup where the drummer would be like on, like on stage left or stage right. And I get that, but it's always. But the thing about it is the way you even seeing that. Because I've seen it live, the drummer will be like um, on stage, left, or stage, right. It still sounds like it's going to be in the middle. Mm. You know, so that's always kind of bug yeah. me, though. But, you know. Yeah. But like, same, same. But that's another thing, too. Like, okay, how does one stay contemporary but sound vintage, kind of like how Mark Ronson does?
1: Yeah, yeah. Man, um, I would just say your engineer just got to be like that, but also your musicianship got to be on a point. You have to know, like, like I said before, how certain instruments you know compliment and the textures you're listening for certain textures you don't just pick any type of synth base to go with a certain synthesizer you gotta you know pick certain things that you like I'll, I'll spend time going through like zillions of different synth bases until I've stumbled upon the right one that I feel has the right type of texture not just the low end but the you know sound you know texture and the layering that can you know fit well with a synthesizer line or a Rhodes or you know, um, a really good drum pattern and all that stuff, like, you know, so it's like it's like picking out clothes, man, like, you know, you're not gonna put like, you know, brown with you know, purple, you know, or like a fuchsia color and all that stuff, unless you really are tight with your coordination but like, <laughs> um, you know it's uh, it's about picking the right sounds to complement one another, and the uh, it, it's one of those things where it can't just sound good your ears have to feel good if that makes any sense, like it has totally. to feel good to your ears you know so
0: definitely there was something that kid rock and i hate to quote the guy but i like what he said on the back of the devil without a cause album and it's mm-hmm. like if it's real it's like it's like if it's there you'll something like if it's there you'll buy it but if it's real you feel it something like there agree and mm-hmm. you know what a broke
1: clockers right twice a day you know <laughs> yeah. but
0: you mentioned something about fashion right who are like your fashion influences though man
1: um andre 3000 definitely um uh, Stevie Wonder back in the 70s, I was very inspired by, like, just the way his clothes, like, they were just very dope, you know, well-fitted. Um, I love uh, Michael Jackson's style, uh, the way he dresses uh, very nicely. Um, Jadenna is someone uh, in my generation who I'm, you know, who, who he definitely inspired uh, some new things, you know, um, even though, like, I feel like our styles kind of vary. But, like, I, li- I like how he took it to the almost like that Duke-esque type of um, Style, uh, yeah, well, the kind of um,
0: dandy style they're trying to do in Africa,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, um, Mayor Hawthorne would be dressing nice, he inspires me a little bit. And, um, uh, D'Angelo, uh, new, newer D'Angelo with the, uh, the ponchos and the cowboy hats, um, and, and the nice boots. Um, Roger Troutman, of course, uh, from I Zach can totally the see that. I can totally see that now you mention it, yeah, man. He had those beautiful, long, um, uh, brim hats that would cover, like, his head if you he look down and then have nice, uh, tailored, you know, double-breasted suit, and all that stuff, nice shoes, and, um, is there anybody else? Um, yeah, yeah, and, you know what, and, and also, um, God rest his soul, Chadwick Bozeman, he dressed very nice, too. Oh,
0: totally. Uh,
1: yeah, he dressed very nice, man. Um, mm-hmm. hmm.
0: all right, Dream Collabs.
1: Dream Collabs, Andre 3000, D'Angelo, Music Soul Child, um, Stevie Wonder, that would be nice. That'd They're be really That'd be cool. That'd be really good. And uh, Herbie Hancock definitely want to. Um, I don't want to leave the earth until I, you know, get get a record and with uh, him and um, uh, who else? P. J. Morton, that would be cool. I uh, love P. J. And uh, uh, who else? A Childish Gambino, Aminé, and SZA. Uh, yeah, I'll do stuff with them. I can see. Oh, and oh go ahead
0: there's two more i can guess i can see you doing some easy with Rafael sadiq and also anderson pack
1: yes those i don't know how i missed those two thank you for reminding me the, definitely the, the, those two man and um snow allegra <laughs> love her hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
0: also her as well i can see that like yeah this, yeah her you mm-hmm. know maybe thundercat i can see that too
1: thundercat definitely and um the, the, that whole camp you know, oh and kendrick lamar i would love to uh, do something kendrick lamar that'd be awesome
0: too i almost got kicked out of studio 202 regarding kendrick lamar
1: what, what was the story behind this <laughs> okay
0: um it was 2013 <laughs> i also met raheem devon that day too it was actually kind of yes. lit all right because he had that he had that online show yeah. All right, here's what happened. You're gonna hear this a lot. Here you're gonna hear this a lot, folks. Here's what happened. All right, um <laughs> well Rochelle was doing okay, Rochelle was invited to a press conference with um with, with Kendrick Lamar, I believe, to either promote Good Kid Bad Mad c- City Mad City or it was <laughs> to pimp a butterfly. Okay. Um I almost screwed that title because I thought it was called No One Wants to Hear Melissa Monkey. I almost f I couldn't remember the oh, name Mark. <laughs> no no it's just the paper butterfly that's what it was right uh, <laughs> that i hope we crazy, kind of lit man. though so what happened was so the reason why i didn't record this is because they had everybody they confiscate everybody's phones and i'm like excuse me so whatever <laughs> so they bagged my phone up and i'm like i'm having separation anxiety because i don't feel comfortable with this because i feel like i don't i don't want nobody going through my damn phone not not that they would because i had the little lock on there but it feels kind of weird you know so yeah. what happens is Rochelle and I were sitting in the back and the interviewer is there and gives the typical interview questions, you know, like, how do you stay away from groupies? And Kendra gives the proper answer back saying, hey, i try to keep my circle tight and everything, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And wow. then me being the guy I can be, I write down on a little note, I say, stay away from the holes, Jesse. And Rochelle <laughs> sees it and she like, you know, laughs and startles you know oh, and man. people start looking back at us she plays it off as a sneeze and <laughs> she turns beet red i just had this evil grin on my face and it was cool you know so it went back to it though i'm like you know but Kendrick was a great guy cuz i think her i think her and Kendrick got an interview later on and i was there too
1: so he was, a,
0: he was a class act, you know. I got no problems with that guy, you know. I think I remember Rain Devon it. there, too. I didn't know it was even Love him, you know. Really? In fact, I remember those – I do remember him having, like, an assistant because it was, like, his Jerome. That's the best way to describe it. I can't, <laughs> You know, it was kind of weird, so I remember that part, you know. Also, the right. same studio had different – I think I'm at one of the Braxons, too, actually. I think he liked that picture, too. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know which one it was actually, you know, I really didn't. Cause I was like, I was like, okay, cool. Um, but that happens to me a lot. <laughs> like I took a picture with Christina million one time. Right. And there's a photo of me looking like the skull of the Misfits logo. And people wonder why, because I literally woke up like three minutes before that picture.
1: Oh my God,
0: man. And I was like, I love <laughs> she's dope. You know, she's straight shout out to Waldorf, Maryland, you know, yeah,
1: that's where she's from. She's from Waldorf, Maryland. Yeah. I never knew that um Christina Moon was from Waldorf, Maryland. Oh, man, I just find I be finding out new stuff all the time,
0: man. I oh, yeah. a lot of people don't realize that, you know, same thing with good Charlotte, you know. Um, you know, they called the twins. my guitar teacher did a show with the twins, Benji and Joel, and that was interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. So all right, so all right, what was it like being at Nam? Oh
1: man, Nam was um amazing. Um you just uh it's definitely for the musicians, musicians, and um, for people who just appreciate good music. And um, when I was there, um, y- you you just run into so many people without any bodyguards. There wasn't a lot of ego, you know, from um, any of the musicians. And um, it, it was it was just, uh, it was like a family reunion. And and just to be among you know that many greats and everybody was cool and you know they'll share you know food <laughs> and be like hey man you hungry or you know um they'll buy you a drink or something like that man you know it was just a really great atmosphere a very healthy um you know family-like atmosphere and um um the the weather was just great everybody was just in a great mood and they you know um, everyone was you know making their connections you know and uh building the you know relationships and things like that and what i loved is that um the first time i went was um the first time I ever played as well. And, you know, I got an endorsement, you know, through uh, my big brother, uh, Eric Carter, so shout out to him. And um, he got me, a I think he got me an endorsement with with Arturia. And when I played over there, you know, there's times where you might not even do that much soloing or playing. You know, sometimes I would just do, like, little feels here and there. And the the people who would just crowd around, they were just really into it. And that's what I appreciate. Like, you know, you don't have to be the most technical you know, um musician, you know, sometimes you just have to be musical out there and everybody they, you know, they just felt what you do and you know, it's just a transfer of energy and um it it was really awesome. It's almost like, you know, you, you play for your peers and not just the regular consumer. You know? The ones that can appreciate um, it. Yeah. You know uh, so, uh,
0: that's a really good uh, point too about I remember it was George Carlin. He was told about the blues and everything and he said it's not about how many notes you play, it's why those notes had to be played.
1: Yeah, agree it's about you know what you're doing and how, how you are articulating those notes how, how are you communicating you know with those two notes mm-hmm.
0: I remember like seeing okay it was a tribute to Steve Ray Vaughn at the Rocker Hall of Fame right and mm-hmm. you had John Mayer up there cause he's telling me no more of the blues guitar player and Gary Clark Jr and mm-hmm. i put it this way I love John Mayer's guitar playing but it sounds like he's over explaining something mm. You really? know, it's mm-hmm. like, but the difference is when Gary Clark Jr., he kind of said, man, it's all messed up, Jack. That's the <laughs> best way to put it, though, so you understand exactly what it means, you know?
1: Yeah, yes. There's such a thing as over-communicating, over over-expressing, over and sometimes, you know, it was, uh, that's why I could always respect Michael Jackson as far as, like, like he wasn't, he, he didn't play instruments like Prince, but the way that he can articulate them through singing, he would, you know, sing the parts of the guitarist, the, the bass player, the keyboardist, pianist. Um,
0: underrated under, beatboxer, by
1: the way. Most definitely, most definitely, man. And, um, and that's how he just knew how to construct great records. See, that's the thing. You know, you can have dope musicians, but that doesn't mean anything unless you can really, you know, make a really good a dope, a dope record for it to, to be broken, you know what I'm saying, like, um, you know, radio play and things like that, you know, so I look at things like, you know, um, you, you can be dope, you know, talented, you know, you could, you know, go crazy with the riffs and certain things like that, but at the end of the day, you want people to be able, oh, well, I would think that, you know, um, the ultimate win is everybody singing your song, you oh, yeah. know, or your record, you know, that is. Yeah, it's okay to do things for the musician's musician. But, you know, never forget the consumer. You know, their money's still great, too.
0: Yeah, I think you can balance it out, to be honest. Yeah, but that's one other yeah. thing, too, about a lot of backing bands and knows around the area. It's almost like watching a bunch of sad dancing bears, pretty much. Like, they don't... It's They're so interchangeable nowadays, you know? Like, it doesn't sound like, like somebody doesn't yeah. sound like so-and-so. No, 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 no. That, that's,
1: that's just the reality.
0: Yeah, but I was like, okay, but speaking of which, actually... You know, because I'm like, okay, so what setup do you prefer? Doing everything solo, you know, like, you mm. know, keyboard-driven stuff, or do you prefer working with live musicians?
1: I, I love working with live musicians. Um, excuse me. And, and I, um, I have moments when I'm by myself and I'm playing, you know. I, it's, it may take me a little longer to really get there, you know, by myself because I just enjoy the interaction and the energy that's transferred between other, you know, artists, other musicians, so, um, when, if I, when I have a band, like, I'm revved up to another level, man. Like, oh, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, and, and when I'm by myself, unless i it just, it could be certain days, I'm like, i would just be feeling it. And I'm like, oh, I could turn up by myself. Okay, party of one. So, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Speaking of NamRA, is it true that there's, like, a flu or cold virus that happens, like, almost annually?
1: Man, 100%. Facts on facts. Um, there's stuff flying around. Uh, you know, and that's why sometimes it's best to just dap some people up, you know, just give them a pound and then, you know, don't shake hands. Don't, you know, you ain't got to, you know, some, some people you, you might be cool with, you know, you, you do the dap and embrace with a hug, half hug, whatever, man. But, you know, uh, it's definitely something that flies around you. You got to be careful. Like, I think I came back and I had like a little sniffles or whatever and I, I knocked it out. Like the next day with some vitamin C. But I was like, hmm, I'm like, yeah, being around that many people, and, you know, they they, they got bathrooms on site, but you don't know if everybody's washing their hands or anything like that or how long they're washing their hands or, you know, some people come in there sick. But, yeah, it's it's definitely a bug. It's definitely a bug out there.
0: Nam is not the place to get funky. No, no,
1: no, 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 Mm no. Not at all.
0: Hmm. Well, Chris, it was great talking with you. You know, great chatting with you and catching up and everything. So is there anything out right now you want us to check out?
1: Oh, man. Um, Well, you know, uh, Oh, Stokely's um, Introducing Stokely album. I did that a couple years uh, back. And then uh, Rudy Curran's Love Lifted remix, all on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, um, iTunes, all those things. Um, And I have some more music uh, coming out soon. Um, Some stuff is uh, free releases. Um, Check me out on YouTube, uh, Christopher Barnes. Um, you'll see a little light skinned kid playing the piano and singing and uh, music videos. And also, my uh, social media handles Christopher Barnes on Facebook and uh, for Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat is Prince Chris. So that's P R I N C number three instead of an E, number three, T H R I S. Um, yep, on and all social media handles.
0: Chris, thanks again for popping yes. through. Great chatting with you. Hope to chat with you again soon because I got some other questions you, too. You know? Great chatting with you, man. Peace. Yes, most definitely. Appreciate
1: no you. you Have a good Bye. one, man. Bye-bye.
0: Great chatting with my homie Christopher Barnes. Check out his music on Apple Music under Christopher Barnes. And look up Discogs for his other work. Peace.